Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Right, time for our coffee break to end the show and this week of shows on Limerick today. Joining me, Anne O'Donoghue from Irish Country Living in the Farmer's Journal. Dan Mooney, commentator here on Live 95 on rugby and writer and just about everything else you can think of as well. And Peter O'Connell of Peter O'Connell Communications, who lectures at the University of Limerick. You're all very welcome. Good morning to you. Peter, I know, like so many in Clare, you're backing Limerick all the way in the All-Ireland Hurling Final. Oh, I just, I just knew, Joe, this was, you were going to start with this. Um, <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> well, look, to be honest with you, personally, I'd speak for myself on a... Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Limerick win it again. Um, you know, when you when you stand back from it, a small bit, I mean, Cork, I know Cork hasn't won all Ireland since 2005, but, you know, Limerick went a, a long time um, without winning one themselves, and you, you'd have to admire, admire the way they do things, you know, the starting with the management, you know, they're uh, just, they're such a, a complete management team, you know, obviously led by John Kiley, but Paul Knerk, we benefited from his coaching exper- expertise here in Clare with the under-21s when they won the three in a row, um, and also the 2013 senior All-Ireland, and uh, Alan Cunningham as well, he's from Shannon, a uh, teacher in, in school principal in, in Shannon, St. Cayman, so there's a, there's a big care link there, um, Joe, so um, you know we are we're we're giving you more help than you, than you might think. Right, well that's great to hear, Peter. <laughs> I, I'd say you'd have to wash your mouth out with soap after that praise for Limerick. It must be killing you. <laughs> well, look at um, they're, they're they're a great team, you know, and they've proven that. And you know, look to, to be fair, you know, they have been a bit lucky a couple of times. Not to, uh, you know, Peter Casey got the red card in the semi final and, and he's back, and you'd hate to see a player lose out. Um, playing in, in an All-Ireland final for something that wasn't very clear-cut to be fair about it but there have been a couple of instances earlier in the year Joe, where they have been you know they have been lucky not to get um, additional red card but um, when you look at the I suppose the quality of their hurling um, when it was clubbed them in the months of final you know their second half performance was just un- unbelievable um, so you have to you know you have to stand back and admire the way they're, they're set up Um their strength and conditioning, their ability, the, the way in which they don't panic, you know, it's it, it's just, it, it's a credit to, right. to all of them really, you know. Okay, so, so um, Peter, well then, this is especially for you. Kyle is beaten one, steps past the second, bounces the ball. Keep going! He's still going, it's Kyle Hayes. Kyle 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 He's turned! The best goal you'll ever see, 222 to 217. You will not see a better goal from Kyle Hayes. Incredible skill. He bounced it three or four times and rattled the back of the net. Limerick in front by five. Ah, oh, that was unbelievable. He started on his own 65. That was an unbelievable goal, Dan. He ran the whole way. His gears were there. And do you know what? Consider the week that was in it and the day that was in it. It's only fitting right to that man has gone up and stuck the ball in the back of the net. Unbelievable. Peter, I knew you would want to reminisce about the monster hurling final comeback by Limerick. There, yeah, today. yeah, yeah. This, this, um, this, this uh, tattoo is just gone on. It's gone on quite a bit, isn't it? <laughs> well, we <we'll>, uh, <laughs> What do you think, Anne? <laughs> I have two people talking in the background. We'll talk to Anne first, and then Dan. That's the confusion. Very similar names, Anne. 
I think Peter's the only clear man that I've ever heard give a lyric praise. So fair play to you, Peter. And Joe, did you play that Kanye school again? Because I really enjoyed that and I really liked the way we were going with it. it was we, we've, heard, we've heard enough. We've heard it once now. I think that's enough. Oh. We were in the sitting, we were all in the sitting room here in the eating last night. Um, we were almost half asleep, and my my father's phone rang, and we thought there was something wrong. And my uncle was like, "Did you hear the news? Peter Casey has played, and there was such excitement then. It was just great, and it's been a popular conversation all week. So it's great, Peter, going to be back to the match." I think the thing is that look you know the hurdles don't owe us anything in all honesty we've had such a great roller coaster and and sure on the day Cork could very easily win that's the way hurling can be but it's been just a super time hasn't it exactly Joe and you said it we've had such great days over the last five weeks in hurling they don't owe us anything but it's the excitement before these two weeks before in Ireland are great and you know what I mean the excitement and as I said conversations in the chat you have at Limerick people and other people and the only thing I talked about I was up the country for work earlier this week and everyone was talking about Peter Casey and whether it was people from Kenny Wexford no, no way no way he won't be played so it's just you know, whether whatever side of the fence that you fall on it's just great to be able to chat and look we'll all be looking forward to matching two weeks 100% yeah. And then I suppose the other point is that a bit like our Limerick Clare rivalry on the other side then of the county, you have the border with Cork, you know, and, and they're such a, a huge county and they have a population of over 500,000 compared to ours, well under 200,000. And they've won so many All-Irelands that you'd wonder how people are arguing we're favourites at all. Well, I mean, they'll, they'll be playing it down, which, you know, we're, we're still getting used to this idea that they're going into a final against a team like Cork, that, that Cork would be playing themselves down uh, and, and playing themselves as underdogs. And, I have and to say, they're not very good at it. <laughs> they're not, they're, well, I'll tell you something, there's nobody talks about Cork more than people from Cork. So, you know, <laughs> they, they, str- they, I think they struggle with the playing a down bit. <laughs> they'll, they'll be struggling with that as much as we're struggling with the idea that we're the, the favourites for a, a, a thing. But, uh, well, I mean, I, I, th- I think we are, and... Uh, the, the thing for me, like watching them hurling, and I don't know uh, uh, as much about hurling. I love watching it, but I, I, I'd be no expert on, on the hurling front. But from what I can see, uh, if, if they play their best, nobody can stop them. If they're playing their absolute best, they, they can't be stopped. The problem uh, has been now that I can see is that there's been games where they haven't got up to that fifth gear yet. Um, and, and if Cork play their best and Limerick don't play their best, then there's a chance for Cork. But... Um, I assume from a coaching point of view, if the coaching principles are the same across the sports, that John Kyle will be looking and going, this is great. If there's room to improve going into a final, then that's what all we have to do is focus on what we need to improve on from the the monster uh, uh, final and then from the, the semi-final. And uh, I mean, if they go up another gear, they, they're, they're frightening to watch. Uh, and as Peter mentioned, you know, they never panic. They never look like they're, you know, they're down how many points against, uh, against Tipperary in that final and, and still just kept on going and suddenly they're on front again. So yeah, on, I mean, on their day, they're, they're incredible. It is, it's a funny thing to say it and it's a funny thing to get used to the idea of, of being favourites. Um, but uh, it's great. I mean, they're outstanding hurlers and then what, what they've given to the to the county and to the city is phenomenal. It's fantastic stuff. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, Anna Donoghue, you know, within families, you have these splits. You've got lots of Cork people uh, living and working in Limerick and vice versa. You have the border. You have Cork flags slipping over the border. Maybe you'll have some Limerick flags in parts of Cork they mightn't expect. Fantastic. Oh, the banter is fierce, Joe. Even in work during the week, um, I was just reading our sports page in Irish Country Living the Farmers Journal before it went out. And I was checking one. I was checking one of the captions, just making sure there's a picture of a load of Cork players, and I was making sure they were all the right numbers. 
And I texted the guy who writes the sports for us, who's from Cork. And I was like, is number three Richard Downey, um, sorry, Robert Downey. And he was like, yeah, you'll recognise him as the guy who's going to be in famous fan against Pockets in two weeks' time. So they're very, I, I don't think they're famous at all, Joe. I think they're very confident. Um, um, but yeah, it's the crack is definitely great. So it's great to see the book. Ah, yeah, yeah, fantastic. And first time, of course, they met in an All Ireland final as well. So we really look forward to it. Obviously, we'll be continuing the build up next week. Um, I think uh, Dan may be involved in something a bit special that our own Luke Liddy is doing in the background. We're going to try and make people cry because that's one of the things that Dan likes to do. We had some fun in the studio yesterday, so yeah, hopefully that comes together nicely. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be brilliant, right? So we'll, we'll hear about that uh, over the next few days. All right, we'll take a break. And we'll, believe it or not, Peter, good news for you. We're going to talk about other things. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> now, enjoying ourselves this morning with our coffee break with Anna Donoghue of Irish Country Living in the Farmer's Journal, Peter O'Connell of Peter O'Connell Communications, lecturer in UL and commentator and author, Dan Mooney. Um, now, one of the things that is obviously of huge concern to people, Dan, and uh, you'll know this from your time on the stage yourself, that can we see live venues opening up the way that we are actually seeing sports stadia open up? And will it happen in the near future? Yeah, I think, um, and I know a lot of uh, artist friends of mine, musicians and uh, singers, actors, the whole lot. And uh, I think one of the, the, the big things like, n- nobody wants to put anyone at risk. That's the first thing I'd say, Joe. I mean, absolutely nobody is trying to, to give anyone else uh, COVID. But I think that there's a, a real, uh, you know, head-scratching going on with, with people going, well, if you can open up bars for vaccinated people and, and, and if you can have people attending uh, matches and that kind of thing, well, what's, what's the difference? Why are we different? Why, why, why does this have to be set aside as separate and you know people will understand the idea of uh, you know singing in, in bars and in enclosed spaces obviously that's projecting and and, and you know, that, that there's a risk in that but when it comes to things like outdoors I mean I know at least one uh, performer in Limerick who cancelled a gig about a week before uh, the, the, the Zapone incident in, in Dublin happened uh, and then only to find out a week later that they've cancelled an outdoor gig because apparently it goes against guidelines, and then find out a week later it doesn't go against guidelines. There, there's this this massive lack of clear messaging on what's okay and what's not, and, and what will be acceptable and when it will be acceptable. And I, I think there's a kind of a huge amount of disrespect for the artists in terms of this is how they make their living, and uh, and they seem to be the last group of people that are being accommodated in any way, shape, or form. The, the information just isn't there. There's no roadmap or no clear way back uh, for musicians. And if it was, I think for most of them, if it was straightforward, if somebody said, here's what we're waiting for, lads, we need this amount to be vaccinated or we need this timeline or we need to, if there were a clear set of goals and, and, and achievable goals, and then we can you can get back in performing and do the thing that you do to make your living. Then, then they would be fine and, you know, you can aim towards that. But at the moment, that's just not there and it's creating confusion and, and quite a bit of anger. And I think that that's, that's probably fair enough, you know. Yeah, you know, and I mean, we were talking to Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun in the first hour and he had a story saying that officials in the background have been saying to the live music industry, you'll have to be between 85 and 90% of adults fully vaccinated before we can contemplate this. He heard stories of a plan 
towards the end of the month but he's wondering whether that will be a definitive plan and get going or will it be a plan that then needs to be further worked on I mean Peter O'Connell you know it is very very difficult for the government now and certainly not helped by the Zappone controversy and on top of that the genuine confusion that people have even if you look at the numbers for example the case numbers close to 2000 a day and you've 217 or something in hospital and over 30 in ICU at any other time that would be a huge crisis at the moment where it's been suggested that actually it's being managed reasonably well. So there's absolutely no doubt about it, but that as as uh, the COVID crisis, if we can call it that, has, has evolved over the last lot, more than 18 months at, the, at this stage, that messaging has become very, very blurred. You know, I, I you know, come back to March 2020, I'd say it wasn't a person in the country that didn't know the exact figures um, or that wasn't very much on top of what we could do, what we couldn't do. But I suppose as society opened up then, it began to get a bit a bit more blurred. And um, it's, it's definitely, you know, get, listen, there's no doubt that leadership comes from the top. And, you know, the behaviour of some of the people in, in government, some of the people leading our country has been just completely um, unacceptable. And it's it's led to, it's led to, it's added to this confusion. There's no question about that. And I feel very... Very sorry for people, you know, within the music industry um, and and the arts in general. Uh, I think maybe part of of the problem, Joe, is that um, maybe their their voice isn't loud enough. Maybe they're not, you know, sufficiently coordinated enough to really hammer home their point um, to government. I mean, we can look across loads of sectors: restaurants, uh, vintners. Um, far, you know the, far, the farming organisations they're very effective at being heard and being loud and getting their message across and maybe you know maybe people in the arts are I don't know a bit too polite it's, it's probably their nature to you know not, not, not to want to be too loud about it or whatever but they probably need to get their their, their message out there a bit more vociferously um, because there's no doubt as Dan said they're suffering and where's the plan what's the plan yeah, I've no idea. Yeah, and the thing is, and that you know, you have a split. It seems to me, even probably among people listening to this show, uh, between those who are just dying to get back out there and get on with things, and others who are likely to remain cautious well into the winter and maybe the new year themselves, even if they're vaccinated. Yeah, I think that's definitely tr- true, Joe. And even just from speaking to my own friends and people in my own circles, there definitely is that split there. Some people are dying to get back out and others will be more cautious. I myself would be more, when, it's, when, it, when I'm allowed, I'll be back out wherever I can go. But I understand that not everybody would be like that. And I understand as well that people have struggled with, I suppose, the restrictions to different degrees. I know that I would have found it very hard not to be able to be out and about and be on the road. But I know for some people, while it was difficult, they did, speaking to friends, they did like that, I suppose, extra time to themselves a little bit more. I do think, though, whether whatever way you stand on, on this, whether you'd be mad to get back out again or you'd be a bit, little bit more cautious, I think everybody would empathise with people in the arts, musicians, entertainers, performers. I, and I do think that because can you imagine being a lad or lady that makes your living gigging around pubs and that's been gone for the last 18 months and you've been you know, you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and things are now opening back up and we're kind of being told that things are going well and the vaccination programme is working but you're not being accommodated. You know, no one seems to know when you are going to be back to work and I, I think everyone would agree that, it, that that must be extremely frustrating and as the 
lads have touched on. It's communication. They just don't know and there seems to be no communication with them. And I do think they deserve some kind of provisional date at this stage. Just a provisional date. Things can always change in this situation. You have to do with what's best in the moment. But I think they deserve a little bit more communication from the government, for sure. Yeah, one other thing we have to talk about, we were mentioning Cork in a different context earlier, but um, Cork City Council and their robot trees, uh, which they're defending, they put five high-tech city trees that can help to clean the air uh, in on Patrick Street and on the Grand Parade in the city centre. Um, apparently, a number of other local authorities thinking about using the technology. They're designed by a German company and uh, they seem to take the worst of the dust out and turn it into a sustainable and regenerative fine dust filter, says the council. Um, a lot of scepticism around it, Dan Mooney. My other half said to me, if that had happened in Limerick, you'd have had great fun on the show. <laughs> I, I, you know, the, whatever about the, the dust thing, do you know what else cleans the air, Joe? Actual trees. <laughs> Actual trees clean the air. And I don't think anyone is going to say uh, those, those, uh, those trees there are really disgusting, ruining the whole uh, aesthetic of the city. The more trees you could put in, the better a place looks. Uh, you know, why not just put in some actual trees? I, I, okay, I mean, the dust thing is, is new information for me. And, and, and if, there is, if there's something to be argued in favour of, of taking these dust particles out of the air for health reasons and for you know, for, for, for the sake of uh, environment and, and that, the other, other factors, then, you know, fine, we, 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 could, we could hear those arguments. But standing around talking about cleaning the air, I mean, literally, trees, like, we, you know, this, this isn't a big stretch. Plants and trees. Um, I, I, I know, but you couldn't spend a lot of time considering and consulting on that one now, in fairness. How long would it take to analyse that, just put trees in? This is a, an absolutely hot topic issue, whether or not people <laughs> like trees. Um, you, you, you just see some council meeting where they're all roaring at each other about what kind of tree they're going to stick in somewhere. Um, and when, when we'll have to read about it in the paper. It, 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 the cost here, there has to be a, a, a cost in terms of these machines. And again, as I say, if there's factors going on there that I don't understand, someone wants to explain to me why these things are, are, are so much more beneficial for the environment than an actual well, tree. Well, well, I suppose Peter might be an expert. Are you, Peter? Um, um, on, on, on trees. Uh, well, well, on robot trees, I suppose. <laughs> on robot trees. Um, no, I can't, I can't claim expertise on on that. So I'd say from, from Limerick's point of view, they'll be just slightly concerned that Cork aren't using this as some kind of a disguise that they're going to come up with a, a robotic centre-back to match the Lindsay Island or something. But, uh, like, look, listen, if... I, I don't know enough about this, Joe, to, to, I suppose, to comment with any great insight, but if if there, are, if, if there are some help environmentally, it does sound bizarre, let's be honest about it, but, and, and as Dan said, why not just grow more trees um, and maybe stop knocking trees that, right. that, well. that, that we do knock? But, uh, look, at it, if it's of some help environmentally, maybe it's worth looking at, but the cost, you know, the cost factor right. is going to be a big cost as well. Like. Well, it sounds like our guests think that the council in Cork are barking up the wrong tree. Oh, thank you. Hey. Thank, you. thank you. I'm here all week. <laughs> I know I'm not. The show's over. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. We really enjoyed the chat this morning. Dan Mooney, Peter O'Connell and Anne O'Donoghue. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.